Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Undying Light. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and back at it once again with another new episode and one that's very special. Uh, So this is not your standard uh, Lutheran theology or Friday uh, exegetical service or sermon or, you know, whatever journey through scripture. Uh, It is where I have extended the invitation out to my patrons and asked if they want to come and join me. And some of them have. And so over the course of the next uh, handful of weeks, we'll have uh, various people joining me uh, to talk about whatever topic is relevant or interesting, or just maybe a hodgepodge of everything coming at you. So uh, there's no clear outline for this show. It's basically going to be up into the hands of my guest, who I will turn over and let her introduce herself. Hi, my name is April. Um, I am one of the patrons of Undying Light, and I have been a little more active on Instagram versus the Discord chat, which some of the patrons do. Um, Alex extended this a few months ago, and I wanted to take him up on it, and over the past few months... So many different topics and things have come up and that we've chatted about. So I came up with a topic, and I'm going to date myself when I do this, but back in the dark ages of the 80s, Mm. when Alex Trebek was running Jeopardy, they would have a Jeopardy category called Potpourri. And all it was was just a collection of clues, just whatever they could come up with. So with that in mind, I'll take Potpourri for 200, Alex. Okay. You had to know that was coming. You I had did. to know. Yes, <laughs> and that's totally fine. Uh, so I guess the question, the clue would be is uh, you're Gnostic if you believe in predestination. Oh, my goodness. Where did that bomb. Oh, let's just start off with, with the big one. What What's wrong with people, really? I don't because know. Because it, it even says that there are some in Romans. Yeah. It even says there are people who are elect, and I do believe that. Um, I think with the way my thinking works, and I know that my thinking is a little different than most people's. I consider myself at this point 
very non-denominational because I go to a Baptist church, but I kind of agree more with the Lutheran, Lutheran side of things. But where I currently reside, um, all the Lutheran churches have pride flags hanging outside of their doors. Ugh. So I can't go there. Garbage. <sighs> yeah. I live in the unholy land. Every, <laughs> everybody I know knows this. But anyway, but my thinking is God does some elect some people to himself from mm -hmm. before they were born. Mm -hmm. And God does elect some people that some people will not be saved. I do believe mm -hmm. that. There are some people that just won't be no matter what you do, how hard you try. They'll, it, that's just the plan. But inside of all of this, because God is a mystery, there are wild cards. You know, I consider us all 11th hour 11th hour people being saved because you have the people that you hear on their deathbed, they accept Christ. And then you have mm -hmm. people that live their whole life. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was part of the parable of what the day laborers, I think it was the guy started in the morning. Yep. Got the same amount as the guy that started 20 minutes ago. Yep. And that's yep. kind of a parallel for how things are. And to me, I consider all that parable is God saying, Hey, you're going to have wild parts. Mm -hmm. Some people that you just don't know that I'm working in their life. And at the very last, they'll accept, but that is not up for you to decide. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny because this guy, so I put it up. I, so I put this quote from Luther up on my Instagram page, mm -hmm. my Instagram here. And the quote read, I'm not permitted to let my love be mo be so merciful as to tolerate and endure false doctrine. And he's, spouting off uh i'm just gonna read you some of the comments here because they're they're entertaining and uh so he says love cannot exist unless freely given predestination to love god isn't love speaking of false doctrine i'm like oh okay well so i just replied guess we'll just throw out all of scripture then because i I'm sarcastic when people come at me like this. I just <laughs> I roll my eyes at these people. I'm sorry, but if you're going to come, you know at what? Me, With some of the people in your comment section, your eyes roll so hard you have to chase them down the street. I, I, I honestly think you. I roll them so hard I'm dead. You know, like <laughs> I I know you know this reference, The Undertaker, when he you know would uh -huh. rise up. You know, he's got his eyes in the back of his. That's what I feel uh, like every time yeah. I read these people's comments. Oh yeah. So he responds. He says, "No, we can just read it correctly." Like you've got to be out of your mind, son. Well, what? Okay, but okay. First of all, what's reading it correctly? Because according to some people out there, and probably the gentleman that was saying that predestination is mm -hmm. uh, heretical, I read the ESV, which could also be considered the satanic verses. Oh yeah, because it's not the King James only. It's not the, It's not the Bible that Jesus read. I've heard that about the KGV. I'm like, okay, yeah. but I, I've heard it all. Mm -hmm. So with coming up with, you know, this is false. Then if my thinking would be, if we're made in the image of God, mm -hmm. not the outside, but the inside, if we're made in the image of God and we are capable of loving another human being outside of God's presence, then why wouldn't it be even more so when you're being sanctified? Mm -hmm. Because I'll just say this. You were married. You're married. Mm -hmm. I was married. 
you know, these, your wife and my husband were not related to us. Right. But we were still able to love them outside of that sanctification process. Mm -hmm. So what more so will we be able to love someone inside that sanctification process and have it be more sacrificial? Right. Yeah, it it definitely is. You know, there's the uh, Platonic scope of love that exists within Mm -hmm. the world. You know, it's like it's you could say it's a generic love because Mm -hmm. and look, I'm not saying Christians are perfect by any means. We we, we are, are fallible, terrible people. And, you know, we, we have our marriages fail. We, we fail our kids. We fail our spouse. Uh, we fail our communities, whatever it is, you know, we're not by and large perfect, but the divorce rate is higher outside of Christianity than it is inside. And, and I think it just goes exactly with what you're saying. And, you know, that love is one of those aspects that is easier to demonstrate when you have the knowledge and truth of God. It is. Um, I will say this. It also is somewhat cultural mm-hmm. because looking at the divorce rates in general, you have people. Um, okay. I don't know about you, but I have my grandparents. They've been together. They've like 50 years. Yeah. You know, I have um, another friend of mine. He's in his nineties now and they've been together like 75 years. So it is. Some of it is within the scope of Christianity and within the church because my grandparents are believers. However, my friend who's in his 90s, he's Catholic. Mm. I think for um, the rest of the show, I'm going to refer to it as RC for Roman Catholic because that's what he does Mm. versus the Catholic church, which would technically be considered the church itself. Mm -hmm. So he's RC and that's what he does. So, that, that kind of has some kind of say in the fact that they have been together that long. Mm-hmm. That's not to say their, their time together in 75 years has been perfect. But it's also cultural because starting around, I want to say the 60s, the 50s and the 60s, that's when divorce started to become less stigmatized. So people were more likely after... 10, 20 years, once the kids grow up and they realize, I don't like you anymore. Why do I have exactly. to stay with you? <laughs> right, right. So any sometimes even within the church, they're still doing that. They're, mm-hmm. they're sitting across each other going, I don't like you anymore. Why are you yep. here? Instead of realizing that this is a covenant that was made. This was a covenant that can't that should not and cannot be broken because you made that. So at some point in the past 20 years, Instead of learning to grow together, you grew apart. And in growing apart, you became two, two halves outside of each other instead of two halves of one whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to uh, I want to go back to this guy because you're going to get a kick out of his remaining oh, comments no. here. <laughs> he says, how about we read all, all caps, the mm-hmm. times he referring to Paul, the rest of the Bible mentions choice or having a choice. Choose today whom you would, who you are predestined to serve. Uh, that's uh, one. It's not scripture. He's, he's mocking scripture in this instance, in my opinion, Two, uh, it's a wrong application of scripture to use because I believe he's quoting out of Jeremiah 
and that has no that, that it has it's not applicable to you know it's not context it's not contextually applicable because right. the only other um one that comes to mind which a lot of churches use mm-hmm. is joshua yeah choose this name who you will serve mm-hmm. as for me and my house we shall serve the lord um that's you can make I can make his point there, but his point would still be wrong. Right. But contextually, it's still not one hundred percent applicable. Mm-hmm. But he goes again, on to I, mock John oh. three sixteen too. He says, "God so loved the predestined elect; he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever was predestined to believe." To those who, by practice and well doing, are predestined for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life, but for those who are not predestined and predestined not to obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. I can go on in Romans, Corinthians, or any other Paul would like from Paul that you would like. So what he's doing is he's taking scripture and imposing doctrine that isn't present to make his statement credible, which is ridiculous. I said, so you're going to use... I said, so you're going to use this concept of choice, and I put that in parentheses, mm-hmm. which in your application goes against all of scripture that says salvation belongs to the Lord. He calls us, he predestines us. Good luck with that. And then he responds, so you're going to use this concept of predestination, which your application, so he's mocking me now, your application goes against all of scripture that affirms free will. No, it doesn't. This guy's a smoking crack. No, this guy is just, this guy is your, what I would consider a typical internet argument. Oh, because yeah, it's... he throws everything in the kitchen sink, not because he's trying to make a point, because I don't think even he knows what his point is. He just yeah. wants to win. Right. He, he, he wants to win. Here, it gets even better. Oh, no. It gets There's even more? better. There's more. Oh, boy. So he goes on, he says, he calls us, but whether we answer that call is doctrine of demons. Predestined was a Manchian and Gnostic. So I'm called a Gnostic now because of predestination. That's why that's what Well, you're in good company because I've been a you know a flaming heretic for years. So well, I Lutheran think we're pastor, doing fine. Yeah, being a Lutheran pastor, that's a, like everybody's default is <laughs> be a heretic. Yeah, dude, I'm a total heretic. Uh, so I said, so I replied, I just simply said this man has no free will not to choose God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And he says, says you not what the Bible says. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You need to get away from that Gnostic Augustine false doctrine. The early church fathers taught free will. Yeah. (laughs) Then he goes on to say, Calvin knew it just as he was obsessed with Augustine. He quotes, this is a quote from John Calvin. I'm sure he mocks it here. The fathers, if their authority weighs with us, had the term, quote unquote, free will continuously on their lips. <laughs> so I reply, I said, because I restricted him after the Gnostic conversation. <laughs> and, uh, and so I allowed that last comment to go through because I said, I'm going to reply one more time. I said, this is the last time I will waste my breath on this conversation. You do not read scripture. If you did, then Revelation 7.10 would jump out at you, or Psalm mm-hmm. 3.8, or Psalm 62.1, or Psalm 103.12, or Isaiah 44.22, or Job 19.25, and I can go on. But you refuse to accept this. Also, I could care less what Calvin says or taught, 
as you are twisting scripture to fit your works righteous, which is a false teaching condemned by the early church fathers and the reformers and so on. Bingo. And that's what it boils down to. That's the whole point of most of the Americans. They hop online. They want to pound the keyboard forever. Yep. And they don't know what they're talking about because the simplest thing to do would be to actually read your Bible. Oh, yeah. Not, yep. not, not just listen to what your pastor says. Sorry, Alex. I love you. No. <laughs> not to listen to just what your pastor says, but to actually read your Bible. And I will say this. Um, growing up, I did grow up in a Christian home. However, there was a lot of legalism, mm-hmm. which caused me when I was older to just walk away. Yeah. But just because you're telling me to do things, but you're not telling me why, and you're giving me a bunch of crap because I'm not looking or acting the right way. So right. I'm just going to walk away from that because when I go hang out with people that don't go to church, they're fine with me. But yeah. you always find fault with me, so I'm just going to take a walk. Right. So and for it- twenty, for about twenty years, I was away from the church. I had a friend of mine that was that's Muslim. Mm-hmm. I got friends from because of where I live. Name the country. I probably have. I probably either know somebody, work with somebody, or have a friend that's from that particular country. That's just how I how I work. So with him, he was Muslim from the Middle East, which means he was like died in the wool, start to finish, mm-hmm. and he was um, observing Ramadan. And I decided that year. So you know what? I want to see what's in here. Everybody's been talking about this since you know 2001. I actually want to read it and see what's in here. So, yes, I did start to try and read the Quran just to see what was in there. I was very curious. And I got about halfway through and I said, you know, I consider myself a Christian, but I've never read the Bible all the way through yet. I think I need to change this. So what I did is I took, they had this on a couple of the Bible reading apps, but it is what's called a power read. You can do it in a month, two months, or three months. It took me about four months because I would lose track. Mm -hmm. You're not reading every single word, but you are getting a good idea of what's there i would suggest doing this to anybody who's not read the bible through because they start the yearly plan then they get to uh i'll just say they get to leviticus and it's like oh no not Mm -hmm. again and that's usually and that's usually where people just i'll I'll do it tomorrow and they just never finish Mm -hmm. with a power read you're done in leviticus in like three days yep and it's just, you're just skimming through it because, yeah, is Leviticus important? Yes, it is. But I understand that it can be very hard. Just kind of like with numbers is, the book of numbers is very hard yep. to get through. So a power read, you're through it in a couple of days and you're moving on to other stuff. Anybody that does this, when you're doing it, sit down with a notebook and a, and a pen and you see something that catches your eye. Don't sit there and read it. Write it down for later. Yep. Because after I was done with this, I went back and I read through Isaiah a lot slower. And I still read through Isaiah a lot slower. Mm -hmm. But it gave me a better understanding of the Old Testament, which is something that in the church at large, they kind of ignore. You get the the Bible source in Genesis. You get the beginning part of Exodus. You get um, the fall of Jericho and Joshua. You know, they gloss over David. They gloss over Solomon. Mm-hmm. They totally skip, you know, first and second kings pretty much, and all the craziness that yep. all the kings of <laughs> judges both and all that. Yeah. Oh, they skip over all of that. Mm-hmm. It's, so good. it's like juicy. 
you know it's like oh a, my goodness it's like it's like, it's like reading a a soap opera. Reading a, it is it's like reading a novella it's awesome and then they skip over that you know they have a couple things in isaiah they read they have a couple things they hit in proverbs and then they they go to the new testament and I'm like that's all you need to read no 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 mm-hmm. the new testament is very important i'm not gonna say that it's not but god is three and one one and three that's what we're always taught and it's one of those things where you can kind of define it but you kind of can't but if it's three separate people three separate entities god father holy spirit god the father is giving you his entire personality in the old testament why would you not want to read about them? why would you not want to learn just as much about god the father as you do god the son in the gospels mm. why so yes but anyway, to wrap up my little story, halfway through, I got to the book of John, which um, I've always had trouble with. I get to that first chapter of John, and I'm just like, it baffles me. It always, it still kind of does, because it just, I don't get it. And I was reading through the Bible as the way the Muslims would, which is they look at Jesus as a prophet. They mm-hmm. know, do not look at him as a son of God. So looking at it, I've been going through the whole thing, and I got to John. And I was still thinking this, he's not the son of God. But something in me finally said, what if he really is? Mm -hmm. And I read the first chapter of John, and it's like a light bulb went off in my head. And that was about four years ago. So I've been diving headfirst into specifically the Old Testament more, but diving into it headfirst ever since. Um, Do I fall all the time? My sanctification process will not be perfected in this life at all, ever. I'm a vile piece of garbage before God, and I know this, without the blood of Christ. So, but I am a lot different. So that is my advocation for doing a power read. Just, if nothing else, you know what's in there. The minor prophets are still very, very important. They still have things that we can apply now. And not only that, but all the prophets, they're not in their own little bubble. I'm actually going through... um, a Bible study with a friend of mine and he wanted one book, which is absolutely my hands down favorite, the book of Hosea. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, you marry a hooker. The Lord, no, marry a hooker. I have, I have a plan. So I had my first child, David, no mercy, but Lord, <laughs> no, I said no mercy. <sighs> okay. Anyway, But Hosea did not operate in a bubble. At the same time, Hosea was doing his ministerial work. You had Isaiah doing his ministerial work. You had Amos, and you had Micah towards the end. And they all kind of preach in the same things. And I've already found some stuff that's almost verbatim repeated in both Micah and Isaiah. This is stuff that you don't know unless you actually go looking for Right. You know, and that's, you know, one of the biggest things um, that really enlightened me um, probably within the last probably two years of my ministry is how interconnected and interwoven all of the books of scripture are between Old Testament, New Testament. And and I see a lot of it coming to these internet theologians where they want to segregate and cherry pick certain passages to fit a doctrinal view. And that's definitely something um, I'm also, I'm also a minor history nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's one thing that I can see come into play because somewhere, somewhere 
I'm sure everybody's heard of this, you know, pray this prayer and then you're saved. Yeah. It's like, um, that's not how this works. Right. Because if that was the way it worked, when my grandma um, had me kneel down in my kitchen when I was three years old, that would be the one that took. And I know it didn't. Mm-hmm. It did not take until I was reading through the Bible later and it clicked and I repented and asked for that forgiveness. That's when it took. But somewhere in the past 50 to 100 years, with a cult, because culture does have an influence on, on the church, mm-hmm. somewhere in the past 50 to 100 years, um, it became very easy to just kind of sift through and cherry pick. And the pastors that are coming through divinity school are kind of taught how to do this. And even they're being taught to only look at some things and not look at others. I'm sure at this point, everybody listening has heard or seen of the uh, very, I'll just say it, blasphemous mm-hmm. service that Duke Divinity School had. Oh, yeah. Did you see this? Yes. Yeah. I'm sure everybody has. And it's like, I was listening to this song they were playing and I'm like, wow, I hear that on the radio all the time. How is this any different from what we're already doing? Which should be a clue Mm -hmm. because all of this, all the culture is finally expressing itself inside the church, somewhere inside the church in the past 50 to 100 years. It became where, you know, pray this prayer or do these verses. I think my favorite um, misapplied verse is probably Philippians in Philippians four. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of my favorites because to my knowledge, there's maybe one or two verses that can be applied. One in the old and one in the new Mm -hmm. that you can take them completely out of context or leave them in context. And they both mean the same thing. There's only two. Yeah. And that is that, you that's the problem with the, with the main church today, right? Mm-hmm. We have allowed culture in, in mainly, uh, I'm going to throw the, the bomb at people, politics to influence our theology. We have. And, 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 and look, uh, I'm as biblically conservative, biblically, not, right. not politically, but I am. I mean, I'm not a liberal by any means. I don't go down that progressive path at all. But I'm saying my viewpoint is derived from scripture. But I have to admit, I have been challenged in a few scopes that would in, in influence my Christian worldview. And by that, I mean, if we are hard planted on any either side of this aisle, the left or the right, you, mm-hmm. you will have a set outline of beliefs. And I'm going to focus just on this one right now of immigration. If you are on the left, you are a proponent for open borders and and, in the floodgates of all of the people that can make it into our country, you are hands on, get them in here. Then you're an advocate for handing them everything until they are quote unquote self-sufficient, which all you're doing is making dependence on the system. Anywho, that is your that is the you know the left notion. If you're on the right, you want immigration, but you want it to be legal, and you want closed borders, and you do not want handouts for any person. And and I and I would agree 
but I've also seen that some people on the right would balk entirely at allowing even legal immigration that they would just say soon close off all borders and nobody can come here unless you're on a work visa. And then you, you know, you, you complete your time and then you leave. And one of the things I feel like I've been really challenged here lately is understanding how we can take something like the great commission and go forward into the world and, and understand that, you know, all of our neighbors at some level are, you know, a pilgrim in this, in this life, right. Where it doesn't matter what nationality or country we come from or, or, or live in the Christian worldview separates Christianity from the worldly. And if we, if we can look at that and say, you know, there's all these people who have never heard the gospel. Let's say they're illegal immigrants. Uh, they maybe grew up Roman Catholic, but they never heard the true gospel. Then how can we as Christians interact with these individuals, whether they're legal or illegal and, and hand them the gospel? Because you don't know who's going to be saved. You don't know who's going to believe. Like you said, at the top of the show, you've got these deathbed Christians who, uh, may have heard people handing them the gospel throughout their entire life, and they've rejected it all the way to the end. But God's mercy is still massive, and, and, and we can't confine it or define it. But we, it, just, it, it really is like a new paradigm for me because it's like, how can I continuously give the gospel to people who, according to my political views or the people in my political parties, would tell me they're not worth it what's you know, funny is when you were describing all that you actually just kind of in a way described my granddad oh yeah my granddad was born in europe and he came he was a german speaker that came to the united states in the 60s and he did not know any english um for a lot of people they don't correlate that they, they can't really think of that but i want you to understand something it, it's kind of like someone from the middle east coming to the united states right after 9 11 mm -hmm. you know they don't like you yeah exactly. and especially back then um in certain places in the midwest he was not liked because he was a foreigner mm -hmm. um he, my granddad grew up catholic he grew up rc um so when talking about coming giving the gospel the gospel ended up coming through my grandma because um a very young preacher came to her house and shared the gospel with her when they were both in a new place when they moved from the midwest to um central pennsylvania where mm -hmm. i grew up he came to the house and my grandma was just floored so she ended up going to this very tiny house church and she wanted my granddad to come and my granddad when he talks about it now he's like I thought she just had the hot for the pastors, but I just went anyway. There you go. So, but since that day, my granddad has been faithfully serving the Lord. Wow. So when it comes to immigration, we need to be, I've always said this, you need to be in the world, but not of the world. That is the whole point of yep. the sanctification process, which is a very fine line to walk. It is not easy. It is very difficult. When it comes to the immigration policy, I am a conservative. Um, we have laws in place that mm -hmm. say that you need if, and we have different levels of how you can remain in this country. Yep. 
if we're going to use the Romans 13 argument, yep. you need to follow the laws of the country. Um, I did have another friend of mine. He lives in New Mexico and he lived close enough to the border. He would see him walking. Yeah. And he would ask some of, I don't know if he knows Spanish or somebody else did, but he ended up asking a few of them, you know, why are they doing this? And they said, well, we want picked up because we can't afford to do this legally. And when you do it and when you get picked up, they give you that option. We yeah. want to be here legally. Yeah. I mean, the state that I live in, like you were saying for the, because the state I live in is extreme left. Um, they pretty much, if you're in, it's almost easier to be an immigrant here than a citizen because they pretty much hand you everything. They don't really force you to get legal. Yep. You know, and that is very, that is very cultural. Um, right. I am not against having people come here. I do want, obviously, I know a lot of people that are immigrants. I have immigrants in my family. So I'm not against people coming here. I'm against people doing it the wrong way and me having to subsidize that. Right. That's what I am against because the rules are in place. The laws are in place that you need to come here and do it a certain way. So you can be a productive member of the society and the culture in this country. That's how it should be. Yep. And I'd also push to the, to the other envelope and say that the immigration laws that we have in place now are old and outdated and they are worthless. And I think we should focus on if we're going to allow people coming here, we need to make it easier for them so that they do want to come through legally. You know, we're actually one of the countries that has the easiest oh, yeah. citizenship process. Um, no matter what country, if you want to become a permanent citizen of, it's going to cost you money, especially if you want to. That's just the bottom line. We do have the easiest citizenship process of, in, of any country in the world. Um, the other flip side is our, our borders are so porous. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easy to just come here and stay here and never become a citizen and nobody notices as long as you're not screwing up. Right, right. And that, to me, that is a bigger problem. That is huge, yeah. You know, you go to some countries, especially, and I know these countries are much smaller, but you go to some countries, like in, let's say, the Caribbean islands. I know a lot of people from the islands. Um. If you overstay your visa, you're getting an escort to the airport oh, the yeah. next day. Yep. You know, if you overstay your visa here, I've heard of people staying here 30 years past their visa and they're still here and they yep. never get kicked out and no repercussions are done. So I think that is something that needs to be changed. I'm not against people coming here. I'm called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Right. I will help you. But you also need to do the right thing and you need to follow the laws of this country. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, we can hammer on just about any topic. So I'm going <laughs> to let you, uh, I'm going to let you throw the clue out there. Oh. And see what the next one is that we're going to, we're going to make people offended by. Oh boy. There's just so many. It's so hard to choose. Well, we talked, we talked about conspiracy theorists like yes er, early on is like our big topic. early on that was going to be the main topic and that was back um a few months ago yeah. when i was still kind of being very tinfoil hatty <laughs> um i i'm very i'm tinfoil hatty light now because it was making me so anxious 
Um, I, I'm to the point now, I don't own a television. I'm sure this isn't a surprise to most people. But I don't own a television. I have no clue what's going on. I watch the weather. That's the news that I get. Um, mm. I heard monkeypox is becoming a thing. I'm like, oh, I heard that too. This, this is a playbook. I mean, anybody that's got a tinfoil hat knows this is a playbook. Knows this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, I've heard they're trying to turn over autonomy to the WHO in the United States. I mean, my bottom line, and I said this January of last year. And that is um, our current sitting president is finishing the job that of the president he was vice president under. Do yeah. I make sense? That's all this is. And it's, and because this was supposed to have been done already, and we had four years of somebody kind of pulling back the curtain on the Wizard of Oz, they're just going about, instead of taking another decade to do it, they're trying to ram it through real quick because enough people already go, hey, wait a minute. Um, I recently deleted my Instagram account, but I did a 10 minute video where I explained that this has been coming. Everybody is harping on their freedoms in the United States, mm -hmm. but guess what? We signed our, the bulk of our freedoms away in October of 2021 with the Patriot Act. We already got yep. rid of them. Yep. And anybody with half a brain knew that I knew then that was bad. I knew then that going into the Middle East and setting up camp there, which is exactly what we're going to do, because the minute we leave, we're done. I, I knew all this was bad, but the internet wasn't what it is now. Everybody mm -hmm. didn't have you know, a computer in their pocket, so it was a little harder. Um, yeah, we, we did go on that, and I'm actually kind of happy being a little less tinfoil heady now. I'm not as angry. <laughs> 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 not as angry, not as angry. Just um, my uh, personal pet topic, and I know you and I have spoken about this, is uh, mental health and mental illness inside the church, which oh, yeah. Yeah. no one talks about, and everybody shoves very carefully under the rug. Mm -hmm. um, before I deleted my other accounts, um, I came very clean about some of the struggles that I've been having. Yeah, And I've had a lot of supportive people. Except this one, kind of like your Gnostic, kind of like your Gnosticism yeah. guy. There's always somebody to ruin a parade. Always someone. And this person decides to tell me if I was truly saved, there's the kicker right there. Yeah. If mm -hmm. I was truly saved, I would just cry out to God and, you know, rainbow and sparkles and everything would be mm -hmm. fun. No, that's not how any of this works. Right. Oh, not how it works. So. It's, it's already, and I did, I read a really good book that explains because we are made in the image of God, mm -hmm. all of our feelings are feelings that God has. We know this because Jesus walked on earth, mm -hmm. fully, fully man, fully God. He walked on earth, you know, from the period of about two years to a period of about when he was 30 years. When he started his ministry, there's a whole life that he lived that we know nothing about. Right. But I had to assume, you know, nothing is spoken of, of his earthly father, Joseph. At some point, we assume Joseph died. Yep. So he went through the grief of losing a parent. He went, probably went through the grief of, we know he went through the grief of losing a family member because John the Baptist was killed. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with them being so close in age, they probably grew up together. Yep. That had to be hard. You're in the middle of ministry and you can't, you have to kind of put that happy face on while you're dying inside because someone that you love very much was killed. He didn't just die, he was killed. Yep. So he went through that. You know, he went through seeing death, seeing probably when he was younger, friends of his side, because at the time period they were in, people would catch an illness and they would just go and they would go young. You know, so seeing all this, he knows what depression is. He knows what anxiety is. Mm-hmm. He knows what, you know, all these bad feelings are that as Christians, sometimes we're on this, under this compulsion to always feel the fruits of the spirit or the fruits of the spirit. And it's like, okay, first of all, you just kind of set yourself up because it's the fruit of what? Fruit of what? Fruit of the spirit. There you go. This is not something that we can actually do by ourselves. We can do it for short term by ourselves, right. but yep. as part of the sanctification process, we cannot do that by ourselves. Right. Well, I thought that that lady that was just just running her mouth, and and it's funny because she ends up turns out to be a, the mother of uh, somebody I'm I'm friends with, oh, and. Geez. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. Cause she, her, her ending remarks to me after I kind of squashed her was, I'm just going to, I'm unfollowing you. Cause she followed me. I'm like, okay, no, I don't care. I'm going to tell my son to unfollow you too. I'm like, okay, I'm sure he, okay. will. he, ha- he hasn't by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, look, I get, I get people get so caught up in you know, like the demonstration of fruit and you have to be doing all these things in order for people to see that you're a Christian. And, uh, and, you know, and that's one thing that really drove me away from the Calvinist movement was the amount of work that I was needed in order to uh, demonstrate in their eyes that I was, I was good enough. Right. Legalism in the reformers, is very rampant although they don't see it sometimes yeah they, and it, they don't. it's they it's i want to say that you know they've invited it to their house for tea but they don't seem to understand sometimes that the legalism kind of in some ways can contribute to a lot of the mental health that people don't share mm-hmm. we're supposed to struggle with each other we're supposed to be honest and open and not judgmental and that is very hard in and of itself but once you add in that where you have somebody um do you want me to say are you okay with that yeah when you have someone like me who struggled with suicide mm-hmm. when you have someone like me who struggled with depression and anxiety when you have someone someone like me who struggled with self-harm it's very hard to go into a church and it's to sit down and be very honest and vulnerable because you'll have people that will automatically pearl clutch and want to walk away and then gossip about you. Yep. You know, the amount of pain you have to go through to open up and trust someone is very, very hard. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm not going to get too deep into this um, from, from this little story. I'm going to say, 
due to the privacy and that of this individual, but I had a, a person approach me and talk to me about some of the issues they've experienced um, emotionally and spiritually in the last year or so uh, issues with work issues with life. And uh, you know, they, this person informed me that they were, you know, they had a small period of time where they were, you know, borderline suicidal because they just couldn't take the overwhelming, you know, pressures. And, yeah. you know, it really, it really was a shock uh, of, of just uh, how fragile we are because at the end of the day, we all have problems and, and, and I'll admit, you know, there's, there's times that I, I would probably be uh, diagnosed as being depressed. I mean, I, I think everybody has those moments. And what I think is really uh, frustrating is, is how quickly the people in the church will just brush that stuff aside and, is it, it just it, it, like it shoves it out of their mind because they don't want to deal with the harsh realities of life. And, you know, when I was talking to this person, I, I gave them a, a book I had in my library because I, I was, I was comforted by it. Uh, it's counseling under the cross by uh, it's a, I forget the author's name, but he writes as, you know, this was Luther's take on counseling people. And there's a lot of letters and demonstrations of like, you know, because, I mean, Luther preached during the, the plague. And so, you know, the actual one, not... not um, yeah, the Black Death. Yeah, not uh, this COVID. <laughs> not, not the man-made plague. Yeah, not the man-made. We're not going to get into that. Head, head cold. <laughs> um, We're not going to get into that. Maybe we will. Maybe I'll, I'll maybe. trigger some more. I've, I mean, I'm already making everybody mad by my baptism series, so why not just trigger them off the, re- the remaining few by... <laughs> talking about uh covid it's a but, real illness but an imaginary plague Go ahead. exactly exactly <laughs> and it's you know and i told this person I said, you know luther writes a lot of letters to people who lost family members children things like that and so there's a lot of really good you know perspective it's not it's a book really kind of more i think aimed at pastoral ministry like how can you take what luther did and, and apply that to your ministry and and counseling others. And, and I'm not a licensed counselor. Uh, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a pastor. And so having a book like that is, is helpful because I can look and see, okay, how did Luther do this? He wasn't a licensed counselor, but he definitely was there for people when, when they needed him. And so I let it, I let this person uh, borrow this book and you know, and I hope that I can have conversations with them in the future. They they're doing up, you know, better and better, but you know, it goes back to this, the comment of just how fragile our mental state is. And, and, and I say that because all you have to do is go onto Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and you'll see how poor your life is. Like when you compare it to other people, you, you will quickly realize that you are you're less fortunate maybe than your neighbor who's going on vacations and bought a new car and buying this great house and get that the- picture in a moment of time where everything yeah. is perfect and you feel like crap for the rest mm-hmm. of the week mm-hmm. um i do have one thing interesting to say 
Luther isn't the only one that was able to write comforting things. Right. Um, the reformers, they seem to kind of gloss over this, but uh, Spurgeon struggled with depression his entire life. Yep. Yep. Sure did. I actually do have um, a small book of things that he wrote about depression. I have not looked at it, but I probably should. Um, I, I might have that too in my library somewhere. Yeah. And that is something that they want to gloss over because the other thing that I would say is another part you know, of doing an actual read through the Bible, if you actually read all of the Psalms, not just the happy ones mm-hmm. and not just the cherry picked ones, um, David was clinically depressed half the time. Do oh, you actually read some of them? He was, <laughs> he was miserable. He was absolutely, he was right. absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. The dude was clinically depressed. He was anxious. He would have been, honestly, had he lived now and not been Jewish, he would have been a drunk or he would have been an addict or something to try and cover and hide that all that yep. pain. But instead, he did. He showed us what we're supposed to do with that, which is be honest about it and give it to God. Does it mm-hmm. take it away? Not at first. It's, but it's a, it gives you it gives you a, and that also goes into everything that we feel God has felt. Mm-hmm. We're images of God. We're image bearers of God. So whatever we feel, God feels. Yep. Good and bad. Exactly. But people don't. People like to gloss over because they're looking for the spiritual high to kind of cover for their fact that they're miserable in every other way instead of actually dealing <laughs> with yeah the dealing with the emotions that are bad because unless this is something that I've learned from going through what I have the past six months, mm-hmm. becoming a widow at 30 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 41 now. Um, losing my mother to suicide when I was 20. These are things that I've learned over the past 20 years. You do have to go through it. You do have to feel it. It's not the feeling that is bad. It's what you do with it. Right. Yeah, Exactly. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to just want to just lay in bed and feel like you just want to die. That's yep. okay. Yep. Well, and I think I think that's the the best approach that uh, the quote unquote church can have because it's it's no longer about you. It's you know it's about what has happened around you and. To, to go in and say that, you know, oh, you lost your, your father who you were so close to. Oh, you know what? You get like three days to grieve and then you have to be back at work on Tuesday. And, <laughs> you know, look, my parents live uh, like 14 hours from me. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I would always say that, you know, <clears throat> I didn't have the most privileged growing up, nor did my dad and I have the best relationship growing up. And there's more private things that I will, I would be happy to discuss off the mic, but my, my father and I uh, had our differences mm-hmm. and, you know, but it, I, I got to go down there a couple of weeks ago and do uh, my brother's officiate my brother's wedding. And, and in that I took a couple extra days so I can go and fish with my dad. And the, the, the interesting note piece to all of it is, is that he's not my biological dad, my mom and my father got a divorce when i was like a year old and he's mm-hmm. stepped in uh at like the age of two and a half three and has been in my life ever since so he's not your father but he's your dad right and okay. and he is he is just you know like i said we we, we have our differences um mm-hmm. but 
at the end of the day, uh, I could sit there on a boat and fish with him and we brush all that aside because that's was, was a, was a dark moment in our past, but you experience it and you go through that. And now if I were to say, you know, like my dad suffered a heart attack last year and, uh, if I were, you know, if I were a betting man, um, I don't know how, you know, I, he's in good health now. Um, but you know, generally when, when somebody, and he's not an old person, he's only in his, oh goodness. What am I? Uh, he's like 52, I think. Okay. <laughs> so he's not real old. Um, but if you suffer a heart attack at that age and he had a triple bypass surgery to, mm-hmm. to, to fix his arteries. And from what I gather, his heart is in perfect health which is good. It's just that he had some clogged arteries because he, okay. he's not a good eater, but you know, that, that kind of lifestyle has to change or he'll die. And, right. and I would still be crushed by that, but you know, you're going to experience times in life when, when you, you lose the parent, you lose a, a relative, you lose, you know, um, their spouse, uh, in, in some people's cases, their own children. And that is gut-wrenching it doesn't matter who it is when, when you lose somebody you know it hurts and it and time doesn't heal all things it just makes it easier to cope with bingo and You're that's not, something that people don't understand right um my 15th wedding anniversary was this past week mm-hmm. for years i tried to bury it tried to cover it didn't really think about it this year i felt it i just decided to feel and the thing that was hardest for me being a widow at 30, because we, were, we weren't married for years when he died, I didn't just bury my husband. I did not just bury a man that I loved completely. I buried all the dreams that I had with him, the dreams that we had together with him. So I cannot say that for someone who has buried a child, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine that. I just can't, I can sympathize, but I understand that part of the grieving is you're burying those dreams with them. And that's very, very hard. So this year I decided to feel it. Am I always going to love the man that I buried? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie about that. And I'm not going to try and hide that. If I do have the opportunity to be with someone else, I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, it's never happens. I never think of it. Mm-hmm. he was a big part of my life yeah. so that's that kind of grief it, it doesn't go away it gets a lot easier to deal with yeah but i allow myself to feel sad because it's not the feeling of it that's bad it's what i do with it that can be destructive right and i want to i want to change the topic from sadness to anger because <laughs> because it's i think this is a core a co- closely correlated story and i don't tell many people this uh so for you listening um this is a, glim- a glimpse into my my life so my wife was uh pregnant with our daughter who's now four so she's happy healthy and and the the twinkle in my eye she's an amazing little girl um my wife was pregnant with her and we got to the hospital for delivery because we had scheduled this um, to be induced on, you know, whatever, like a Monday morning. So we get there Sunday night and 
they get my wife all set up and they get her all situated. We slept for like four minutes throughout the night because they kept they keep coming and checking on you. And <laughs> it's it's so wonderful. So at 8 a.m., they go ahead and uh, induce my wife and they get that whole process going. And they <laughs> throughout the whole day. Um, I'm trying to recall here kind of the sequence of sequence of events. Mm-hmm. basically i would say just to summarize the whole day because without getting into the gruesome details um I, there was no child born <laughs> during the day oh, and wow. during the pushing it was becoming evidence and evident in the afternoon that my daughter's heart rate was dropping mm-hmm. every time my wife would try to push and we found out that her head was getting caught in you know, like in in one of the walls or something, and it was turning her head and she couldn't breathe. Oh, okay. So they, they would periodically try to have my wife do this to push. And, and every time it would do that. And I finally, I don't know if it was me or my wife, one of us said, you know, this can't keep, this can't keep going on. We have to do something else, you know, cause they were like, Oh, maybe if we try to shift you and her, you know, put you on your side or, they were trying to do everything to keep her from having a cesarean. Right. Cesarean. Right. But at the end of the day, we, we had to do that. We ended up right. having an emergency C-section. And what aggravates me, I think, still to this day, is the whole experience being there and, and going through all the, the, the motions. It was one that I think we could have avoided had we had competent nurses and doctors watching this process the first tick that um she wasn't coming down the right way should have been like okay either we're going to get you in for a c-section or we're going to you know wait it out and see if she turns a little more whether it's a couple days or whatever but she was at 40 weeks and right you know she had an easy pregnancy and she had you know and so we were never really thinking anything of it we'll just have you know natural birth and we'll be you know, we'll have our daughter and, and I still, I still pains me when I hold my, my little girl that she could have died during birth because of their negligence. And, Impotent and anger is the yeah. one that eats at you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I think you were, you still feel is just that impotent anger because you're very angry that things aren't going right, but there's not a whole lot you can do about it right? because it's, it's like you want to do something but, and I think that goes kind of along into sadness, where with deep sadness, you want to change it, but you have no energy to change it. And then with anger, you want to change stuff. You have the energy to change it. You probably should. Yeah. Because yeah. that would, that wouldn't be very good. And it, and it's hard to comfort people in the middle of those states, you know, whether it's depression, grieving, whether they're extremely angry over things in their life they can't control things over their life that they probably could control, but they've waited too long. Mm-hmm. And I know that you as a pastor, you probably get looked at as like the man you, you can, we can go to you with anything. You know how to deal mm-hmm. with it. And you're sitting yeah. there going, um, no. And people, I think, cause I'm, I think we touched on this before <clears throat> in one of the chats where, I know someone had made a mention of, you know, well, this is something you could comfort those from the pulpit. And, I, and it just struck me as so 
kind of odd and selfish. It's like, why is the pastor the only one that comforts people? Right. You're supposed to be the hands and feet of God. Exactly. Why aren't you doing this? Well, what's your excuse? Yep. And that that's part of being in the church where the pastor is supposed to be the shepherd of the flock, but the flock's also supposed to learn kind of how to play together. <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong here, but no. it, it just bothered me a little bit. It's like, no. why aren't you doing that? Right. That's, that's exactly it. And, you know, it, it almost feels like in today's church culture, the pastor has been created to be, uh the, it's a therapist. the, the therapist he's a cheerleader and, right and we have answers <laughs> to everything which if you're if you if you sit under good biblical teaching you will have a pastor who's very knowledgeable at how christ suffered with us and okay. they'll be able to convey that to you and say you know this isn't a guarantee of a fluffy life and it doesn't matter even being a christian or not being a christian you are going to face difficulties in this world it just means of who you're going to rest and what promise you're going to rest in whether it's the promise of scripture or the promise of you know the world and its enticements if you would right and that's that's something that people say they seem to be able to like they want to go to church to check off a box right yep. <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know they they came to christ so because they're scared of going to hell mm-hmm. i didn't come to christ because i was scared of going to hell i deserve it yeah. I deserve it for all the stuff that I've done in my life. I'm a vile piece of garbage before God, and I know this. Mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't come to Christ for that. I came to Christ so I could be in the presence of a holy God, so this way I could spend my life glorifying God. And in some of my dark times, it did cross my mind. You know, you could do. You know, April, you could do all this stuff, and you could get there, and you'd be like, "Nope, sorry, I'll still do it." Mm-hmm. Because God is worthy of that worship. He is worthy of all this. So for me to say that he's not, it, that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. But the blood of Christ covers a lot of things. You just have to allow it. Exactly. I want to shift gears a little bit as we are close to the hour mark. I usually don't let shows go much more than an hour. But um, <laughs> I, you know, you and I can rant for <laughs> We can be so, on here for days. Yeah. So, you know what? It's funny. I I, I kind of want to do this. Um, it's, uh, this is kind of a side thought before I get to my final topic. Um, <laughs> I've always, you know, I, I, every year I do a rantathon. Every every year around Christmas time, I do a rantathon for the year. Yeah. And, and I want to do one that's just like like hours long. Like, and I'm not talking like two or do three. Wanna, I'm talking. Do like you want to channel? Do you want? channel your inner rush limbah and just yes, be online I, for like six hours and I throw just, the book at everybody and call yeah, it a day and i want to make it live for the world to see it and i want to have people come on and talk with me as stay as long as they can <laughs> lob bombs at us I, I just i like i i am infatuated with that and the reason because if you if you ever decide to do that sign me up i'm absolutely there i'll absolutely. make time that'll be great and the uh the <laughs> The, the reason behind it is years ago, um, uh, back in the early 2000s, so probably like mm-hmm. five, six, and seven, mm-hmm. um, I was a big video gamer. Like I played video games all the time, and I was a big mm-hmm. World of Warcraft fan. Massive, uh, okay. massive World of Warcraft fan. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's funny because I got married in 07 and I still played for a while after we got married, but I would play when my wife was at work or I'd sometimes, you know, like on Friday nights, that was the night to raid. And so my wife would go right. to bed and I'd play video games all night. There was a particular podcast that I used to listen to and they, you know, were, were gaming based, but they're primarily focused on uh, World of Warcraft. And so they would, you know, talk about this for, you know, their hour show or whatever. Mm-hmm. But once a quarter or, or whenever they did it, they would do a rantathon. And it would be a 24 hour just rant of all sorts of stuff. I mean, it was every topic imaginable. And I, I loved that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a weird entity. <laughs> no, that would actually be really fun because it's like, okay, nothing is off limits. Yes. Everything. We're going to go after all Ev- the things. All the things. All and of you them. You can just plow through everything. <laughs> and I was like, and I, and I was just infatuated with that. And that's why, you know, I kind of like to do the rantathons for this show. Mm-hmm. obviously theologically based ranting but there's right there's a lot of things that we can rant about going oh you and i we and... could we could go we could go theology i mean you obviously come from a much different place because you're a lutheran pastor now uh-huh. um i grew up in an evangelical kind of almost non-denominational church mm-hmm. the evangelical church of america and then it's like i do baptist i do a little bit of everything except the pentecostals they're a little weird mm-hmm. love them they're just a little, a little weird a, little, a lot of it <laughs> A lot of it. I mean, they're not Jehovah's what they're not Jehovah Witness level, right? Their yeah, magic no, underwear, but they're right. still a little strange. They're up there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, theology. I can go all over the map, but when it comes to history, when it comes to like different random topics, I'm totally down. I'm actually trying right now to stay away from current events, politics, and everything of that nature because I can go a little too deep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I know. Yeah. Totally, with this it's not the time of place for this. totally get it all right so final topic okay uh, there's a post that's been floating around i think i shared it in my stories the other day because it was funny <laughs> and uh i, I want to get your take on it it's titled youth pastors on instagram <laughs> and it's got a guy who's got a scruffy beard it's a pencil drawing guy with a scruffy beard and a hoodie and then another <laughs> really skinny guy who's bald which you know Yep. Pinnacle youth pastors on Instagram. Uh-huh. And the first guy says, Don't miss Wednesday night at the edge. <laughs> it's yes, g- I remember yes, it's gonna be lit. <laughs> Games, pizza, prizes, also pizza. Bring the squad. Oh, the other guy goodness. says, if we get a hundred students, I'll shave my legs and blow up my car. <laughs> And this is this is compliments of the youth pastor on Instagram. So, oh my goodness! Uh, <sighs> how true is this statement? You know what? It it kind of is. It is. It's it, it totally is. Um, the church that I'm going to now. Um, the first person I met was actually. Um, he's not a full pastor yet. He's in training, and mm-hmm. he's he's essentially like the youth pastor. And yeah. And it's sad that from even when I was going to youth group back in the day, nothing's changed with us. Right. They're still trying to package Christianity and they're still trying to package everything 
with worldly wrapping paper. And it's like, you know what? Kids see through that. Yep. The younger ones see through all this. Is it fun to do stuff with people that are like-minded? It is. I'm not going to lie and say it's not. Right. Because I do have some good memories from youth group. But when it comes to um, the theological richness, I was completely unprepared. Mm-hmm. Because um, when at some the main reason I actually walked away from the church is my grandparents and I moved from central Pennsylvania to upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And the organization that my granddad was working for was extremely conservative and very legalistic. Mm. And I went to I went from kind of like you know, just show up to church too. I had to dress properly. I had to act properly. I had to do everything properly. And mm-hmm. I had, <clears throat> there was no, they, they didn't teach me theology. They, they didn't explain anything because the other part of what growing up was, I was not allowed to question God, which meant I wasn't allowed to ask any questions. Interesting. So if I had a question or I had a doubt, I was supposed to read my Bible and pray about it. Right. Yep. Yep. I've heard which that. Which does nothing. Exactly. Because it's like, read what? Yeah. I'll read the Psalms. How is this helping me? Exactly. This isn't helping me right now. What are you doing? So the way I look at it, is it fun to goof off and have a done time and, you know, blow up your car and shave it? You know, do all the goofy stuff because mm. that is fun. It's better fun than the, what they would have in the world because especially in the world now, a lot of the fun isn't very innocent. That's true. And I was, uh, you know, I, I was kind of recollect, uh, oh, forget the word now, my brain's broken. Uh, remembering like that. Like more so than it already is? It's, it's I'm terrible. Sorry, did I say that out loud? No, it's, it's <laughs> awful. If you guys are like patrons listening, you know, just sometimes my brain doesn't brain right. <laughs> when that happens on Discord and Instagram. So if you want, if you are My not brain a patron, never brains. Yeah. If you want to <laughs> uh, join us on Patreon, then do so. But, anywho's, um, I was remembering the time that I, I had participated, and I say participate because I wasn't actually a youth pastor. Uh, I was just mm-hmm. kind of a parent uh, assistant. And so, you know, it was, I remember the big church that I was at, and I love the church still. I love the pastor still. But the youth there was certainly kind of derivative in that scope. It was, you know, they'd have party nights and pizza nights and they would, we'd go uh, on Halloween to Scarefest or, you know, right around that time to the Six Flags and go to Fright Fest. And we, you know, we had a lot of fun and their teachings on Sunday mornings were pretty good. Uh, I I wouldn't say they're all like hard catechismic type you know, teaching, it was very broad, generic Christianity type in most cases. Um, but I definitely remember like uh, the, the big, they had recommissioned a barn for the youth center and it was, they had uh, this huge stage and, you know, seating arrangement set up for the kids at like tables. And then they had uh, on one end of it, it was all games. Like they had, foosball a pool table a basketball they had all sorts of different things to make the kids you know do something before they begin their little teaching curriculum and i just you know i seen this and i'm like that is exactly what it was like it's like come we've got 
pizza and prizes and also pizza and I'm gonna blow up my cards. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing because you know what? It's almost like parents kind of send their kids to youth group as an escape, yeah, you know, from kind of the world. And it's like, okay, no. Youth group should be a place where they can go and prepare to be in the world, but not of it. Right. They should have a little more solid theology instead of being so milk fed. Because you go from cute little Bible stories to here you go, adult. What? Mm-hmm. what how do, I, I don't know how to adult now. What, what do I do? Exactly. I'll just pray about it. But, but, yeah, just, but I've been doing that. That doesn't do anything. Help me. Right. You know, so get your, get your Bible and regenerate. Yeah, just read, you know, and it's like, that's not a thing that I read was um, youth pastors are sometimes looked at as junior pastors until they reach the big leagues. And it's like, that's not how it should be looked at. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he, I don't think that a pastor straight out of divinity should be the one that is leading the young adults and leading the youth. I shouldn't, they shouldn't, they just need to have some life experience under their belt. Right. Even if it's, even if it's just a little bit, you know, five, 10 years where they can say they've dealt with this, this, and this, that gives them some kind of indication because the same stuff that I was dealing with when I was in high school is the same stuff they're dealing with now plus extra because all the, what extra do they have to deal with besides depression, anxiety, you know, suicide. I remember with my uncle, um, my uncle is six years older than me. So Mm -hmm. we are close in age. Um, One of the guys he went to church with committed suicide. This is not something that's really talked about, Mm -hmm. which goes into the whole mental health thing we talked about earlier. This also affects the youth, but they're also dealing with everything on sexuality. How do they approach this? Um, Honest youth pastor on Instagram has been very good about pointing to different things that we need to prepare the youth for. Yep. Kids are not dumb. People like to treat them like they're stupid. They are not stupid. They are much smarter than most people give them any credit for. And then you have someone, you know, like me when I was growing up, because my brain's wired a little different. Intellectually, I could get a lot of things, but, you know, socially, I was very, very awkward for a long time. So you're going to have those kids and they're going to have these really deep questions. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have an answer for Right. That's okay. Tell them, you know what? I don't know right now, but if you give me a few days, I'll look it up Right. and I'll see what I can come up with. That's appreciated. More than just saying, read your Bible, pray about it. You're showing that you're fallible, which tells them it's okay to be fallible as an adult, Mm -hmm. number one. And number two, it shows that, yes, I value what you have to say. I value your thoughts on this, and I want to find out your thoughts too, so let's work on this together. Right. And this is something that as you cultivate that with the youth group, they become, hopefully, if they stay in the same area and they continue to go to the same church, you cultivate the church culture that you want. Mm-hmm. which is what we're supposed to have by giving teenagers the short shift you're creating adults who are milk fed and biblically illiterate and check off boxes every sunday yep exactly and that's that's the the tragedy to the modern church today is just the blatant disregard to actually catechize your children teach mm-hmm. them proper theology and and actually bring them to a right understanding of the difference. If you're going to claim to be a Christian, you are going to face opposition in this world. You will be hated in this world. And 
you need to be able, be equipped to, if you're going to hold that faith in your life, you need to be equipped at, at the very basic level to just, you know, have a firm foundation to stand on. Not, I'm not, you know, advocating for apologetics and, you know, you have to go and have an answer to every question, but you just need to be comfortable in your faith when the pressures of the world come plowing, plowing down on you. Comfortable with your faith. You know, yeah. with me, I am the only Christian at my workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, they drop F-bombs and all sorts of other fun words all day. Yeah. I'm, you have to, you know, being able to catechize your, catechize your children in such a way where they can do what I do and they can be in a workplace where they're the only one and it doesn't shift them. If that makes sense, you know, yeah. building on the rock versus building your house in the sink. Um, it's okay to not have all the answers. One of the things with being in the church, especially the modern church, is it's like they can be very closed-minded. They're told one thing and that's it. Mm-hmm. Realize yep. that some things are mysteries you're not going to fully understand. Yep. Be able to explain it the best way you can and say, you know what, this is the best I got. But also always be learning. You know, it's funny now, it's where we have more information in our pocket with our phone and access to it. And we're dumber than daylight. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's spot on. And that's just the sad reality. Of Put that in the notes are. for the Ranathon. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get there. And, and I was thinking doing like a, a middle of the year Ranathon, but then I was like, eh, I got way too much stuff going on right now. Yeah. And so my goal is to finish my school by the end of this year. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if that's possible. It's definitely possible to be done by next spring, but uh, I'm going to lean into it really, really hard. Right. And uh, my goal is to get it done and then to celebrate, have a massive rantathon. <laughs> and just, then you'll have all this free time. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I will literally have like four extra minutes of free time in my life. So <laughs> yeah, I, I always, you know, I always joke with my wife because she works like one or two days a week for a couple hours each day. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, anytime she's working in the evening, it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching the kids. And so my son's very uh, much a uh, mama's boy. Aww. And uh, so he's he's never he's not really necessarily happy with daddy. Uh, so I have to carry him around and we have to look outside and do all these little things to keep his mind occupied until mama comes home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I gotta, um, I, you know, I, I can't just like plop veggie tails on for him and, and sit back and do my homework. Yeah. You actually have to do stuff. You can't yeah. use a TV as a babysitter. Right. And that's, <laughs> and that's totally fine. Cause my daughter, you can do that. You could like, if it was just me and her, I can, mm-hmm. I can, you know, give her some food. And I could sit in the chair next to her and I can work on work and she can watch a Disney movie and she's totally fine. Well, um, your son is also what? Less than a year old. Yeah. He's eight months. Yeah. You're going to have to give him a little more hands-on. until oh, mom yeah. Comes. oh yeah. And, and you know, but it's funny because my, even my daughter at that age was really um, independent. Like she, you know, you, you, I remember um, when she was like, I don't know, four or five months old, my wife was back at work full time. And, uh, so I would come home from the e- in the evenings and then she'd go to work and I would have my daughter from like four o'clock until, you know, nine or 10. And so I mm-hmm. had the whole evening shift with her 
And mm-hmm. those were like the best hours of the day. Because <laughs> one, I wasn't at work, but two, I got to spend time with this little baby that mm-hmm. I helped make. And and she was so independent, I could just stick her in the swing because she took an afternoon nap for mm-hmm. the first year. And so from like four till six or seven, she'd sleep and I'd watch movies. <laughs> and she just she was just so easy. And my son is the complete opposite. It's just it's incredible. She sounds sweet. like your daughter is able to be content wherever she is, where it your is, son yeah. just constantly needs that reassurance right yep. now that no, 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 things are fine. It's OK. Yep. You can relax. Exactly. It's fine. No, really. Like we we go on a road trip, my daughter and I to go because everything out here is a road trip to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I just plop her in her seat in the back and I ask her, I said, do you want daddy's music or do you want to listen to a book? Oh, daddy's music. <laughs> she will. She will sit and listen to my classical music for 45 minutes and not complain. But what's funny is if you put my wife in the car with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, my, my daughter's like, she needs to be entertained. And I think she takes advantage of my wife there, uh, to, to go through that process. <laughs> but, oh, this has been, a uh, an interestingly, uh, diverse Very. conversation, um, <laughs> across, uh, multiple spectrums. So mental, the mental buffet, you yeah, get the me- mental yeah. buffet today. <laughs> and so hopefully, uh, the, the listeners have lasted this long. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, the on ACast, which is my podcast host, I don't get to mm-hmm. see like the average listen to per episode. It just mm-hmm. gives me a, a generic amount listened, and I get like, you know, if I go, for instance, my baptism stuff's actually performing really well, and they're mm-hmm. like at 150 plus listens right now. That's probably that's probably because all the reformers are sitting there taking notes. So this way, when they go to your trial right, for burning you at the stake, they have everything right. They're they're certainly crying about it too. It's hilarious because um, baptism saves you. Oh my gosh, that's so controversial. I can't no, be, it be does Peter's. not. I haven't even listened to it. I'll, I'm going to be honest. Oh, you need I haven't to. had the chance to listen to it, and I can tell you right now, baptism is not a salvation issue. It's an outward oh. calling of Christ. Oh, you should listen to my episodes and be mentally changed. Oh, uh, okay. Because Peter says in First Peter one or First Peter three twenty one that baptism now saves you, which he's corresponding to uh, the flood of Noah, given right. an equation to uh, the waters. And Paul does the same thing, but not with Noah, but he does so with um, the Red Sea crossing, where they were mm-hmm. baptized into Moses, and now you are being baptized into Christ. It's yeah, but is, it a spir- but is it a spiritual baptism or a no, water baptism? It's both. There, really? there is no sep- in the Lutheran circle. There is no separation. There is no separation. A spirit and water. Well, that's how you can tell I didn't grow up Lutheran because no. I believe there is. <laughs> yeah, but that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, that's actually more Pentecostal, and it's in, it's in its uh, entirety. Really? That there's a spiritual. Uh huh. That they they will teach you that you have to go through a spiritual baptism in order to oh. receive the spirit and, and then perform tongues and all that jazz. So, yep. No, I I encourage you to listen to them because, you know, at least for me, it it wasn't a paradigm shift, but Mm -hmm. I I came from a Calvinistic uh, view of baptism. And so I'm very familiar with, you know, all of the little um, pieces to it. And Mm -hmm. once I started researching and understanding the Lutheran theology, uh, it, it made it feel more comforting than just merely an ordinance, you know? And, and okay. so I encourage you to listen to the sacraments and ordinance episode first. Okay. So was, anyway, getting back to your original point was you don't see the viewer count. 
yeah for the listener count oh yeah yeah there we go that was my original <laughs> point but on 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 itunes if i go in and look at my metrics there mm-hmm. i can see how long the average listen per episode is but for whatever reason um like so like on Acast, if i go to my mm-hmm. insights I think I can dial in to um, the exact platform that people are listening on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Podcast players. Yeah. So like uh, Apple podcast makes up a considerable amount of my, my uh, listens. I have 2,600 listens in the last 30 days on, oh, wow. on Apple 186 mm-hmm. on Spotify and 160 on overcast 119 on other and then there's a, you know a whole bunch of other stuff that people listen to right and uh and so it's funny because apple has the highest pull of platform you know re- uh, that my podcast is on but when i go and look at the itunes metrics mm-hmm. it's like there's not enough metrics uh for the show to cultivate anything and so i'm like <laughs> It shows me like having like three downloads for like my most recent episode. And it's, I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, I got like 150 just from you. And you, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> so that's, that's my curse. All right. Uh, any last uh, comments? Uh, rants? Anything oh, that, uh, you want to conclude with? You know, when people tell you to read your Bible, <clears throat> make mm-hmm. sure you're doing it contextually properly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Old Testament is still very, very important. Please read it. Please actually read it. Not like gloss over the fun story. No, really read it. It's really fun. I'm sorry. God raises a zombie army in Ezekiel. It's great. You should go read that. Right. Yeah, that's definitely applicable to your depression. <laughs> that's 100%. Ap- it may not be applicable, but it's really fun. Yeah. Or, hey, go read <laughs> Revelation and. and- Tell me how that that's. Oh well, yeah, Let, let's just rank up your anxiety up to a million. Yeah. yeah. Read Revelation. Go ahead. Read about out of context stuff. too. More importantly, <laughs> out of context. Completely out of context. I'm don't. I, I'm okay. My eschatology is very simple. He's coming back. That's it. Yep. I'm, I'm done. That, that's all. Go. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> that was so, it for me. Yeah. Good. Um. I am. Re- I really enjoyed this conversation and i hope the listener is uh just as equally edified and, and gets a good chuckle or two here and there as we're plowing through rants and yeah. you know we had some serious stuff and some fun stuff and you know there's so many things we didn't even discuss uh and we we certainly can next time well I'm, we'll have to definitely do it next time if you know if there's more stuff i'm all down for more stuff but we want to try to condense this where people will actually sit and listen Oh yeah, that's that's the key, and that's why I think the shorter shows work for me. But right. I always find too when I have like a guest on, it's always an hour <laughs> plus. So it depends on the guest too, because some yep. guests it's like no, yeah, <laughs> no. Yep, I've had a few of those, and uh, I've had a few that I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I can get to an hour with content with this person, and right, and it, we we close out at like 45 minutes or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I've had guests and I'm like, it's an hour and 20 and we're still going strong and let's just, yep. <laughs> so Let, let's break it up. We'll just do two shows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that too. I've done, uh, you know, Anthony and I, on a matter of truth, we'll do mm-hmm. an hour and a half segment and we're like, yeah, we'll just split it into 45 minutes each. There's two yep. shows. There's two shows. I don't know. There you go. 
but uh, i'm gonna go nerd out and have a day to myself here in a few hours and uh, oh that's right you're gonna make the baptist anger because you're gonna go see harry potter i'm gonna go see harry potter oh my goodness Burn oh yeah he's a heretic so and uh, i'm gonna get some wing stop in uh nice. in the meantime and maybe some ice cream i gotta go run an errand or two for the wife so yeah today's uh, my catch-up day from the week so it's like errands and it's hot here, so I'm going to be hunkering inside most of the day. I'm going to be putting, I don't do hot. I want to put jeans on when I leave. So I always wear jeans. I don't wear shorts. Yeah, I'm a shorts guy in the summer for sure. I'm a, I'm also hot like all the time, and so <laughs> I can. I'm sitting in my basement, right? And, and I can't wear pants down here unless it's like the dead of winter. Uh, mm-hmm. I, even though it's like 65 down here, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and I'm like just comfortable. Right. That's that's my that's my life. Yeah, no, I, I live in pants almost pants or leggings or something almost year round. And especially mm. now because um I have self harm marks that are very visible. Mm-hmm. I don't like stares or questions. Please leave me alone. I'll just yep. wear jeans and you'll never know. There you go. Easier. Well, April, it has been a pleasure. I'll let you get on to your errands. And, and thank uh, you very much for having me, Alex. Yep, I appreciate it. It was fun. If you'd like welcome. to do this again, let me know and uh, we'll have we'll probably do potpourri part two because that's what's going to go. end up being again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just a hodgepodge of everything. So Exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. If you made it this long, then uh, shoot me a message and let me know and maybe we'll give you a, a, an undying light brownie point and <laughs> I should do something to, like on these long episodes to like incentivize people to listen to them all anyways um <laughs> that's it uh i don't know when i'm gonna drop this it'll probably come on a tuesday because that's when i do most of my episodes that are uh, okay. guest responsive and so i've got uh two interviews next week another patron coming on and so i've got four with this episode four guests uh that will be dropping over the you know next couple of months nice. and uh plus all the baptismal episodes to trigger all the baptists out there and uh and then we're going to work through Joel and then Amos on Friday shows. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you later. God bless. Have a great weekend. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 